0: series uh, that's going to be going over the course of the most of the year, and breaking it up into mini-series, we're going to be looking at 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and so uh, in-person online, we're glad to be together, it's good to be together, and digging in on this idea of looking at complicated topics and themes throughout 2022, and you've got, uh, we, we destroyed an entire forest for this morning's service, sitting on your seats. We're going to talk about all of that later, Uh, so I know you're really excited to uh, jump into all those things, but we'll be talking about that. We're just trying some new things to engage these two letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And this morning, as we start with this new mini-series, right, because we're going to take it all as a series of It's Complicated, but then we've got mini-series dealing with different themes, different topics. And today, we're looking at this idea of building the church, establishing the, the church that that Christ came to establish, and church is complicated, right? Right out of the gate, we're talking about church being the complicated issue uh, that we're going to jump into, and you would think church should be simple. Church should be easy, uh, but as it says in Proverbs, I, I, I came across this proverb this week, and I thought, man, this is fitting for our Corinthian series. We're gonna go to the Old Testament in Proverbs. But uh, there's a Proverb that I want to read, Proverbs 14, 4, and I think it just captures the complexity of church. And it has to do with farming and with animals. It says, without oxen, a stable stays clean. You could also substitute that with children in a nursery. Yes. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Right? So farming could be a very clean occupation if you never had animals. If you didn't have the oxen in there, uh, it would stay fresh. The hay would stay in high supply. You'd be sitting pretty. You'd have these nice, clean staples. Doesn't that look clean? But then you throw animals into the mix, and that's reality. I don't want to know the reality that's beyond that gate, but I know that there's a reality there. Uh, And if you've ever been to a farm or a state fair, you know the reality that we're talking about. And it hits you uh, in more than ways than one, right? You might step into that reality. You might smell that reality. You might see that reality. Uh, but it is messy. And that's what Proverbs is saying, is that without oxen, a stable stays clean and tidy. It seems easy. But then you need the animals in order for the farm to actually be a farm and to be productive and to be healthy and producing and do what it's got to do. But in doing that, it gets messy. It stinks, you got to deal with crap, right? Can we say that in church? I just did. Similarly to an empty barn, the concept of church seems clean and tidy on paper. Oh, people love Jesus. We sing songs. We read scriptures. We drink our coffee. We say hi to each other. We check in and say, love you. All right, have a great week. Like church on, on paper seems like it should be neat and tidy. And then we put people into it. And it gets complicated. And it gets messy. And it starts to stink. And we have to deal with crap at times because church involves people and people are imperfect. And so the reality is this church is complicated, church is messy and as we talk today, we or over the next few weeks we're talking about building the church and building the church is not easy. It's not simple. It's it's quite complicated because people are complicated. And we're talking today, right out of the gate, in First in Corinthians 12, talking about this idea of building the church with diversity, with our diversity as a church. And diversity is kind of this buzzword right now in our culture, and it makes some of us flinch, right? That's the idea of this series, is that we hit themes that make us clench at times. Well, the word diversity does that for some, and, and you're going to hear that word and think, oh, he's politicizing the gospel. Oh, he's socializing the gospel. Oh, he's making us believe in a woke Christianity. No. We're looking at the church that Jesus came to establish thousands of years ago. This was written way before our wokeness woke up. I don't know. We're looking at what does it mean to build the church within the diversity that God has created the church to live in. And look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we have been baptized into one body by one spirit and we shall and we all share the same spirit. And so Paul, right out of the gate in chapter 12, is talking about the church that he planted in Corinth and looking at it and saying, the complexion of that church is diverse. Diverse in its race, diverse in its status, in its socioeconomic statuses, in its slavery and freedom and all of these things. There is a diversity and he's not denying it. He's actually pointing it out. It's a mosaic of diversity that God has created within the church and the unifying factor is what? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the thing that brings these people together, and, and then he takes it and, and, and shifts, not to, not, not to talk about race or socioeconomic status or anything like that, but he begins to shift the focus into we're diverse in our talents and our abilities and our giftedness, our passions, our experiences, that God has put the church together in a, divide, in a diverse manner, not just in one facet of diversity, but in many facets of diversity. And he begins to use this illustration of the church being a human body to show that diversity that can take place and how we are different parts of the one larger body of God's family, of God's church, right? So it's, it's a different kind of diversity than, than, than uh, what we would initially think of when we think of that word. You might think about, you know, race or nationality or background or economics or anything like that. No, he's, he's shifting it now to what do we bring to the table? What part do we play in the functioning and the health and the operation of the church? And look at verse 12 and 14. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. There's a diversity within the body of Christ. We don't all just do the same thing. We don't just all function in the same way. And he begins to raise this absurdity of uniformity that's taking place in the Corinthian church by asking some rhetorical questions. Because for Paul, it doesn't make sense that everybody's trying to fit into the same mold of looking and sounding and appearing to be the same type of person. And so in verse 17, 19, and 20, he begins to point out the absurdity of uniformity. Look at verse 17, 19, and 20. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Those of you that are visual, you're going to start drawing this in your notes. (laughs) I'd love to see your drawings. How strange the body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. So Paul is looking at the church in Corinth and saying something's off if we're all trying to be the same part, all trying to play the same role, right? And we presume uniformity within the church, and yet we're totally fine with a diversity of roles and, and abilities and talents in other contexts, right? Not just the human body, but think about other contexts, right? Picture a band with five acoustic guitars, and that's it. What a band. No drums, no singing, no bass, no keys, just five dudes strumming the same chords at the same time. Boy, that would be, that'd be riveting, right? It would be absurd. You wouldn't have a band with just five people doing the same thing. Picture a football team with 53 quarterbacks. They could throw the ball. They couldn't catch it, tackle, or, or, or block. But they could throw it. It would be an absurd way to build a football team. Think of a business, right? Let's say you started a business with app developers, and they were all app developers. Well, you'd have great software engineering taking place. But you'd have no accountants to run the business numbers. You'd have no salespeople to go get that app out into the world. You'd have no advertisers to make it interesting to the general public. You just have people sitting behind computers like, this would be really cool. We're going to code this. and blah, 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 blah. That's what all app developers apparently sound like. <laughs> You'd have no administrator buying toilet paper for the app, supply, or app developers and office supplies that they need or paying the power bill so that they could continue to code. You'd have no executives leading with vision and passion for, hey, this is where it could go, and we could use your app or your algorithm to make this work. See, if we all try to be uniform in our talents and our abilities and what we bring to the table and the part that we play, it's absurd. That's what Paul's saying. The church being carbon copies of itself is absurd. And yet within the church, we look at it differently. It would be absurd in the music industry or sports or business or the human body. But in church, and this is what was happening in the Corinthian church, they were emphasizing uniformity you got to sound a certain way. You've got to act a certain way. You've got to be spiritual in this way. You all need to perform in this certain way. We can see this and feel this in the church today. Well, we all need to be good singers. I wrestle with this every Sunday because I don't have that gift. And there was a season in my life growing up in the church where I thought I didn't fit because I couldn't carry a tune. Some of us feel that because you're not good on a microphone or you're not good at communicating clearly to a group of people. Some of you feel that because you feel uncomfortable teaching small children. And yet we feel this pressure to be uniform in our talents and our abilities. And I've got to look and sound and do this. And I would say what Paul is getting at is that a church comprised of Carmen copies is not going to build a healthy church. If we're all trying to be me, we're going to be dysfunctional. If you're all trying to adapt to a certain set of gifts and talents and abilities, then we are going to be unhealthy because we won't be reproducing and growing and developing as one body that's reaching our community properly, that's meeting the needs of people, that's reaching the next generation, that's reaching those that feel far from God, that's discipling those that are within the body of Christ and helping us grow in our knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. Like That's not going to happen if we all can sing in harmony. The same gift is not going to work in all contexts. So instead of uniformity, Paul is emphasizing that each of us contributes uniquely to the mission of the church. And we see the distinctions of the church body within the chapter that Chloe read in verse 27 through 30. And Paul is asking these rhetorical questions and he he is asking them almost sarcastically. Like, does everyone think that they're an apostle? Is everyone a prophet? Is everyone a teacher? Do miracles, healing, helping, leadership, speak in unknown languages, interpret those unknown languages? He's asking these questions, and the obvious answer is no. Not everybody can do those things. And it's not even this exhaustive list. He could have just kept going for sentences on, listing out all the various gifts and abilities and talents that God can gift people with to build and establish the healthy church. And what Paul is saying is that not everybody's going to preach on Sunday morning. Not everyone's going to touch a microphone. Not everybody's going to play a song. Not everybody's going to teach a kid. Not everybody's going to pray for somebody after service. Not everybody is going to maintain our facility and make it clean or safe or upgraded You're not going to do the same thing as everybody else in the room. Everybody is going to be distinct and unique in our expressions of these things. And he doesn't want to ignore those distinctions. He wants us to embrace it. It's healthy when we realize that there are some that are going to teach. There are some that will pray for healing, and they will be a vessel of that restoration. There are some that will bring vision and leadership. There are some that will bring... uh, a crockpot of food and a sense of comfort and peace in a home. Because if I brought you a crockpot, you wouldn't feel comfort and peace. You'd feel something else. <laughs> Regret. Nobody does everything, but everybody is supposed to do something. Something. Nobody does everything, but everybody is supposed to do something to help build and establish the church so that it can be healthy, and it can be growing, and it can be strong, and it can reach the world with the gospel. But Paul, in this passage that we were looking at, understands our tendency to compare and to conform. That we look across the sanctuary and say, but I'm not as good as that, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. And he does this by almost giving the parts of the, the human body these speaking voices in the passage. We see it in verses 15 and 16. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? I, and, I. <laughs> and if, he's <laughs> an Irish church, and if the ear says, I am not a part, and why am I doing that? <laughs> I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? We as parts of the church want to withdraw and want to disconnect and want to disengage because we look around and we say, but I can't do that, or I'm not as good as that, or I haven't been welcomed into that, so I guess I don't fit. What Paul is pointing out is, well, don't we need the ear in order to hear? Don't we need the eye in order to see? Don't we? And, and, and the eye doesn't disengage itself and yet within the church what we've done if we are body parts sorry if this gets gross but we have self amputated from the body of Christ and you picture people with a church history that have amputated themselves away from the body of Christ and you just see this body of dismembered body parts and as gross as that sounds but that's that's what's happening because people look at the church and say well I can't blink so I guess I don't fit. I can't teach kids. I can't build. I can't construct. I can't speak. I can't sing. I can't pray. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't speak in tongues. So I guess I don't belong in your church. And they've disassociated. They've disconnected. They've disengaged with the church. And Paul's saying, what are we doing? The church is meant to be united. The body of Christ being his illustration shows this organic biological type of element that is in place this interconnectedness of how the body works i was talking about this with our kids the other day and i was talking about is there any body part that you would just say get rid of it right now And they're like what i said is there any part of your body right now that you would let me just chop off Dark, I we got a little heavy <laughs> got a little heavy I mean, think about it, as silly as it is, is there any part that you're just like, yeah, I could do without a hand? I mean, at one point we were like, I guess I could do without a tooth, but that would affect how you eat. And it would affect what you eat. You see, but that's what's happened with people within the church. We've removed ourselves. We've amputated ourselves from the body of Christ. We've isolated ourselves. But Paul is using this vivid imagery of the body of Christ. The church being this organism that is interconnected because it's, it's exactly that. There's an interconnectivity that we need each other. And again, sitting with my kids, we were talking about how you just need all these different parts of your body. And they're like, well, we could get rid of our eyelashes. I said, you know, if you get rid of your eyelashes, what would happen? And one of my girls was like, you wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> I said, that's true. You'd lose that. It's not really why I love my eyelashes. But you learn how the eyelashes exist to keep dust and particles to protect your eyes. The eyes are one of the most sensitive parts of the body. So if I don't have my eyelashes, I don't have eyelids, I'm going to have these eyes that are just dust and everything getting in there. There's an interconnectivity that takes place. There's a necessity with all the parts of the body. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. We need the body of Christ to function in their talents and in their gifts and in their abilities and in their callings and in their passions. This is why it, it, it saddens me when I talk to somebody and they say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't think I need the church. They're amputating away from the body of Christ. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. No, we need each other. We we have different abilities and we do different things within the functioning and the health of the body of Christ. But I need you to help me grow. Does that make sense? You may never touch this stage. I'm not saying that's as a definitive fact, but... There, are, there is a case where you may never talk in a microphone, but you're going to help me grow in my faith. But some of us would say, well, without a microphone, I don't see my part, so I'm out. Some would say, well, without an instrument, I can't, you know, I can't do this. And without this platform, I can't do this. And without this pulpit, I can't do this, right? But we need all the functionings of the body of Christ. I need you. You need me. We need each other. That's what Paul is communicating in this illustration of the body of Christ. That following Jesus is a team sport, not a competitive sport, not an individual activity. We're going to get into the competition next week. This week is just this idea of we think we can do it alone. But following Jesus is a team sport, we work together. We're developing and inspiring and challenging and comforting and supporting. That's building the church. That's creating a healthy, balanced body of Christ within our context. And what's interesting is that in God's infinite wisdom, he chose to make a diverse body, not a uniform body. In verse 18, God has put each part just where he wants it. So who's in control of the church? We're going to talk about it next week, Jesus being the head of the church. God in his infinite wisdom chose diversity, not uniformity. He chose that there are going to be some that speak and some that pray and some that speak in unknown languages, some that's, you know, do gifts and helps behind the scenes. Some where your ministry is in a living room, not in a sanctuary, but it's still valuable, still important. And God has put, and and that's the thing here, is that as we begin to look at the diversity of our gifts, God chose diversity for the church. He chose a complexion of different gifts and abilities and to do this, to create health and balance and and maturity and, and to create a, a ministry that would reproduce and reach the community. When I disconnect and disengage from the church, I put myself in charge, not God. I put myself in the driver's seat of saying, well, I know better than God. when I believe that God is in charge, I begin to trust that he's building something in me, he's building something in his church, and we believe that God has me and you right where he wants you. He's gifted you with the talents and abilities that you have. The experiences you have, the passions you have. He's empowered you with those things, and the church needs you to function in those things so that it can function. It needs us to play our part. And so, One of the things that we're gonna be doing over the course of this four-week series, or these few weeks that we have together, looking at building the church, is an emphasis on joining serve teams. And you see the card there, and and if you're watching online, you can jump on to our Connect card and you can respond accordingly as well. But this card lists out all the different serve teams that we have over the course of the year. And it's double-sided, because there's lots of opportunities. But you see the different styles and approaches that we have. We've got weekly teams where you're going to be able to find a way to function within a, a weekly basis. You're not giving every week in this way, but they function every week. And whether it's our next gen or our prayer team, you, anybody want to just come up after service and just pray for people wherever they're at and what they're going through? And we need people to do that. We need people that just have a heart for other people to say, I will stand with you and pray for you and with you. Connections team, welcoming, uh, helping people get connected within the church, worship, tech. These things happen on a weekly basis. We're not asking you to serve on a weekly basis, but challenging you to think about, man, maybe there's a weekly team that I would join in and serve once a month on one of those teams. The behind the scenes teams. How many of you love to to help? but you don't want to be noticed. But you're not going to be invisible because these are teams of people and there's communication and community that we're hoping to establish in this. Uh, Landscaping, facility projects, social media. How many of you love social media? I hate it, so I'm the wrong person to lead that team. But I understand it's a necessary (laughs) method of communication. And some of you love that. Some of you love doing projects. We've got projects that we wanna do around the building. One of the things I've learned about doing projects with people in the church is it's way more fun to do a project with people than alone. In fact, we've got one right now if you wanna help out. We've gotta replace the, the carpet flooring in, the, uh, in, in one of the classrooms. Man, we wanna get some people together, let's do that. Let's crank it out together and share life and do this together. That's why they're teams. Landscaping. Somebody's just love and pull weeds. Just show up and trim shrubs and do that sort of stuff. Man, that's just, that's your passion. It's not my passion, but it's yours. And you love it. And it doesn't feel like work to you for some reason. I don't know why. But that's the body of Christ in its operation. Planning teams, that's another thing. We've got events and opportunities that we've got coming up. It's a way that you can serve within the church and, and help bring. Ideas and perspective and ownership to bury Dairy Days, Serve Skagit on Labor Day weekend, Halloween Hub Spots, the Single Moms Ministry that we're, we're doing those occasional events. It's these opportunities to serve our church and serve our community. But a lot of times those things in the past have rested on one person's shoulders. I'll give you one guess it wasn't Jesus. I took ownership of it away from Jesus. That was a joke. I didn't really take it away from Jesus. But I tried to own these things, and I'm learning it is better if we operate as a team. Because that's what Paul's saying. One body part, one person can't do it all. I can't do all these things. And maintain my health. I can't do all these things. My wife, April, probably could do all of these things because she's just that talented. But she'd burn out. See, that's the beauty of what Paul is describing is if everyone does their part, everyone functions in their strengths and in their gifts, no one gets burned out because nobody's overcompensating for a vacancy. You see the beauty of that? And some of you have served in churches and you've been burned out. You've been overworked. You've been overwhelmed. You've been underappreciated. Because there was always a need, always a need, always a need, always a need. But if we begin to look at it through the healthy lens of what Paul is describing, it's this idea of the body functioning in this organic manner where we're all functioning in our strengths. And you're going to bring, if you love social media, you're going to bring a perspective to that that's going to help somebody in our Social context, see the truth of Jesus. Find out about our church. If you're on one of these planning teams, you're going to help us figure out a way to engage and to serve and to do it in a new way. You're going to bring ideas in a new manner. If you're on these project teams or these landscaping teams or these behind-the-scenes teams, what are you doing? You are helping create a safe space for kids to encounter Jesus. Never diminish what you're doing because it doesn't get a stage When you create a safe space for kids to find Jesus, that's the body functioning as it should be. When you're serving in Next Gen, you aren't just taking care of kids. You're creating a space so that moms and dads can come encounter Jesus. And those kids can encounter Jesus in a way where Pastor Sean can't reach them in this context, but those people back there, man, they can bring love and the truth in a way that A five-year-old gets it. You see, that's the body of Christ functioning as it should. The body of Christ is functioning right now, right? Those of you with young kids, the body of Christ is functioning back there in a healthy manner so that you can come and function in a healthy manner. When we're on the prayer team, that's the body of Christ functioning. It doesn't feel like work to you to pray for somebody. And for that person in need of prayer, that's exactly what they needed. Somebody standing with them, supporting them. So we're going to have this card available for the next couple weeks. And we're going to draw your attention to it every week so you don't have to fill it out today. You can. And you can sign up for more than one. Hallelujah. Because you might have more than one ability and more, more than one gift more than one passion and strength, but but the expectation is not that you do them all just because there's a need. The idea is to present these things and say, hey, church, this is what it takes for us to function in a healthy, holistic manner so that we can build the church of Jesus in this year. So I want to pray for us. Can we pray? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now that you give us You give us your eyes to see your church through your lens. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us, with the different gifts and passions and abilities that you, Holy Spirit, have empowered us with. I pray that we understand the calling that you've given us. I pray that we understand how you've constructed your church. Help us to see that. And I pray for those, I just pray for anybody that feels on the outside looking in. If we've been hurt in the past, Jesus, I pray that you heal. If we've disengaged and disconnected, I pray that you restore. And I pray that you begin over these next few weeks to foster a unity within your church and we see how we fit together and how unity can be established in our diversity, Lord. We love you and thank you for loving us. In your name we pray, amen. If you want more information on Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.